Hey guys, thanks for checking out this webinar. I'm Sean Croning, your host today. I get to work with Passion for Planting, the church planting ministry of New Life Christian Church. We're in the D.C. area. Um, and, and my co-host today is Patrick Bradley, Patrick from California. Patrick, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Excited to be here. Yeah. So is uh, how are things in California? Still attached to continental USA? Yeah, still attached. Not snowing. Uh, at least okay. not down here. <laughs> um, but yeah, really excited to be here on this Nuts and Bolts show. Um, you know, back to the beginning of our ministry, it was all about, um, we think it's not okay for church planners to be bogged down in details. So mm -hmm. um, I, I love helping planners uh, stay focused on people. And, and mm -hmm. that's really a lot of what Passion for Planning is about. So to, on today's webinar, we want to bring very practical things and um, shorten your learning curve and help you get stuff done. Yeah, yeah, which is great. You know, we have the opportunity to really kind of get into the how-tos of church planting. Our friend Ricky Brown, who planted a church, New Creation Church in Chicago, he once described Passion for Planting as leaders who live in the how. You know, he said he went to a lot of, you know, conferences that did a great job inspiring him and um, helping him, you know, kind of shape the vision for his church, but then kind of thinking about how do I actually accomplish that vision? Like, what are the things that I actually practically have to do? Um, you know, we were able to help him with that. And that's our, our mission to continue to equip church planters to start healthy, multiplying churches. And so we're going to be here every other week to do this nuts and bolts of church planting uh, webinar. And uh, today we're going to focus on, you know, how do I know if I'm really called to plant a church? How do I know I'm not crazy? And maybe I, I went to a conference once, or I read a good book, or I'm upset with my church where I am. And I'm just kind of like, I just need a break. I need to go do something new and church planning will just be easier. will be better. Um, you know, we're going to be thinking about how do we know um, that, that we're really called by God um, and, and, and making sure we have the right motivation in doing it. And so we have the privilege of being on today with our friend, Ray Chang. Um, and so Ray is uh, a church planter himself. He, I'm not going to get into all the details because I want him to be able to introduce himself um, but Ray, we see that you're yes. on. Welcome, Ray. Thank you. Sorry, I, I had a, I had to run to pick up something this morning, and so I'm headed back to my office. But anyway, I'll be driving half, half the time. So. Well, don't worry, because that's exactly how we see most church planters working. They're multitasking, <laughs> and they've got tons of things to do, and so they're just like, all right, how can I multitask? Um, and Absolutely. So Ray, Ray, Ray is showing how much of a church planter he really is. <laughs> Well, good to have, it's good to see you guys. Good to be with all of you. Good to see you too. Keep your eyes on the road. Be safe. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this is this is not uncommon to, to do Zoom calls with church planners when they're on the road. Uh, so Ray, Ray, yes. today, how are you doing? How are you doing? Well, it's been um, um, managing. All right, Ray, we're struggling Jason, here. Uh, my wife's business, uh, my wife's been sick. Sorry, are you there? You're coming in and Hello? out. You're coming in and out. Sorry. I'm on the freeway, so let me, um, maybe a little spotty, but okay. yeah, I'm doing well. Good, 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 good. Well, Ray, we are excited that you get to share with us because we know that you're a church planter yourself. Um, and that you've sent out many church planters from the churches that you've been a part of. 
Um, so you, could you give us a little bit of a kind of a history of um, your church planting journey um, and, uh, you know, how you got involved in church planting even in the first place? Absolutely. Uh, you know, my church planting journey began uh, actually before church planting was in vogue. I remember, um, you know, my whole life, uh, you know, as a youth pastor, I just wanted to be like the senior pastor. And I think a lot of us kind of started off um, early on in church planning, feeling like, hey, this isn't the way I want church to, you know, for us to reach people. We were living in a very traditional church. So um, God sort of called me on this journey, which I didn't expect. Uh, but this happened in 1996 in Washington, D.C. And I remember the first time uh, when God called me, I said, I talked to my wife and I said, uh, uh, you know, what do you think about planning a church? And her response was, well, you can plant a church, but I'll stay at my church, <laughs> at the current church. Mm -hmm. And uh, she wasn't really thrilled about it, like a lot of people when they first start out. But that journey has been incredible. So in, from 1996, planting uh, Ambassador Church in D.C., uh, we've been able to uh, launch that church, then I moved out to L.A., launched another church, and then out of our church, we launched 10 other churches. So it's been um, a, an amazing journey, but it all began with that step of faith. Okay. Yeah. So you mentioned God called you, you know, into this church planting journey, this church planting ministry. I remember uh, very early in, in my ministry, um, was actually just doing some supply preaching at a church while I was getting ready to, to start a church. Um, had some weekends open. So I was, I was preaching one day and I came home and a guy saw me in my neighborhood and, you know, I went over to talk with him and, you know, he asked, well, what were you doing? I was like, oh, I was actually at a church. I was, I was preaching today. And he goes, oh, when did you get the call? And I was like, <laughs> the call? What are you talking about? The call? Like the church called me to like preach? I don't know what you're talking about. But he was talking about like the call and to be like a priest. Like he was, had a Roman Catholic background. So he was like, when did you get the call and to the priesthood. Um, but you know, when you, you talked about, you received this call, like God called you, um, mm -hmm. can you dig into that a little bit? Like, what was that for you? Like, how did you know that, that God was calling you, um, you know, so clearly into like a church planting ministry? Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things, you know, I, I recently, I preached the message on uh, Nehemiah mm -hmm. and I started in chapter one where Nehemiah began with this story of, uh, having an encounter with one of his brothers who talked about what happened in Israel. Uh, and it sort of created this, this burden, this um, sort of um, kind of desire to go back. And, and I think for me, a lot of what calling is, is this sort of the Holy Spirit uh, prompting uh, this sort of burden, um, a sense of dissatisfaction or a sense of something's not right. And, and for me, that's how it began. I, I felt like uh, the way church was being done in my context, at least, um, I grew up in a very a traditional uh, Asian-American, Korean-American church. And a lot of times church became kind of a social uh, place where people would just um, gather because of their culture. And a lot of the young people that I was ministering as a youth pastor, they would all stop coming to church. And so for me, the calling began with a burden mm -hmm. and it began with this sense of like something's not right. And I think that was the Holy Spirit uh, prompting that in my heart. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I know that that story of Nehemiah, it definitely, uh, I felt that too. You know, I, I had to go back home where I was from in Buffalo to be involved in church planting after feeling a holy discontent um, for seeing a lot of churches that were closing and wondering, like, who's going to reach my generation with all these churches that are closing? And 
yeah, it wasn't necessarily like an audible voice that God said, you need to go home and you need to plant churches. Um, but it was that, that, that holy discontent that we see Nehemiah having and then just spending time like fasting and praying um, mm -hmm. and, and seeing God kind of work and confirm it in some, some other ways. Um, so could I ask you, Ray, you know, when you, when you get that burden, when you're getting that burden, you're like, okay, God's calling me to plant a church. Yeah. What were some things that you did to prepare yourself to plant a church? Yeah. Well, the first thing I think is what, you know, going back to the story of Nehemiah, which is sort of the, the template for me, because as soon as he heard God's call, uh, this burden, the holy discontent you talked about, the second thing he did was to pray. And I think the most important thing we can do is just to make sure that this burden is not just our imagination <laughs> or something that, you know, out of our own kind of uh, ambition or selfish desire, but it's truly genuinely from God. So I think for me, prayer in the early stages of just, and I mean, prayer continues on, but in the early stages, getting on my knees, seeking God's face, making sure that everything that was being done was prompted by the Holy Spirit. And so that was one of the first things that I think I really spent a lot of time in. Um, just a quick story. Uh, early on when I, because uh, I was part of a larger church, I was a youth pastor. And in ministry, like many of us who've been part of staff, um, you know, everything is comfortable. You know, we have an office, we have, you know, ministry partners, we have a staff. First time leaving the church and planting was the first time for me that I really stepped out in faith in a sense that I had nothing. <laughs> I had no office. I had no desk. I had no room. All I had was a simple calling from God and I began to pray. And so I listed um, uh, a little bookmark and in the bookmark that I placed in my Bible, I placed five um, prayer requests. And in that prayer request, I stated things like number one, uh, you know, pray for five ministry partners. Number two, pray for 10 core members it was a really simple little a uh, prayer list but the last prayer list was i pray for thirty thousand dollars and i didn't know where that was going to come from and so uh, i prayed and one day as i was um speaking at a youth conference uh, a few weeks later i get a card from one of the kids from the conference and this little girl 10th grader from rome georgia wrote this little card and said uh, dear pastor ray I wish I can go to a church like you're talking about. And inside that card was a $10 bill. And to me, that little $10 bill was the greatest gift that I've ever received because it was in the heart of that little girl's faith that seed was planted. And, and throughout uh, that first year, God began to supply. And it was amazing to see God at work uh, because of a simple prayer. So that's the first thing I would say is making sure you pray. Mm -hmm. um, and the second thing I would say is uh, prepare. Uh, the more you can prepare to plan a church, uh, which means to read, uh, to go to um, conferences, uh, exponential. I wish I had exponential when I was, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. going through the church planning. Back then we had a book called from Bob Logan, uh, mm -hmm. the Church Planters Toolkit, which is a bunch of cassettes. And I just listened to that. But um you know, having going to boot camps, going to having coaching, uh, those are so critical. And eventually when we started planting churches, uh, that was just a, uh, just a bare minimum that we'd require all of church planners. Awesome. 
Yeah, that's great. So yeah, prayer, just like following Nehemiah's template, you know, spending time, you know, not being in a rush. You know, I think church planters oftentimes are in a rush, you know, thinking, I don't know exactly why they're in a rush, but oftentimes are kind of rushed to process sometimes. But yeah, that season of prayer is critical. And then that season of preparation, which is also another reason that you shouldn't rush, but you need to spend that time preparing. Um, you know, we, we definitely see that a lot of church planters are kind of just drunk on their vision is, is what our friend John Wooster used to say is that they're drunk on their vision and they think, you know, this is definitely going to work out. There's no way this isn't going to work out because they, it's so clear to them. They're so excited about it. And sometimes they rush yeah. the process and uh, doesn't usually end up well. Yeah. Yeah. I got a question for you, Ray. Uh, you've yeah. been on calling to church planting on both sides now because you've, you've planted twice and you've sent out 10 church planters. So I yes. wonder from a sending church standpoint, how are you recognizing church planning calling in others you know this is one of the most important questions for me because as a church planter in my head i think everybody should be a church planner mm -hmm. and, and so i sort of assume that everybody could do what i i did you know it's like um, a basketball player or a football player that is naturally gifted to do something you know they assume everybody else can do it right and so that's why great players often make bad coaches and I think for me, um, you know, early on, I just told everybody, hey, you go plant a church. Um, but then I began to realize that um, not everybody has the same skill set. Not everybody has the same gifting. And so this is where, as a, as a coach, rather than imposing my vision on somebody, uh, I made sure that it was God's vision for them. And then secondly, to go through this process of assessment, uh, one of the things that I really value uh, in church planting is going through an assessment process because assessment allows us to really discern, you know, strengths, weaknesses, gifting, background, and out of the assessment then, then can be um, sort of uh, like a formula to help the, the, the planter match with the context, whether it's the community, whether it's the model, and all those things are critical. And, and then the third thing we do is make sure that they get enough training. And so those are the things that we built in. We call it our uh, church planting uh, boot camp system. We call it our ABCs. A stands for assessment. B stands for basic training or boot camp. And C stands for coaching. And I think those things are critical for um, uh, making sure that, that other church planners uh, have the necessary tools to succeed. Nice. Does that more often look like you recognizing the calling in somebody and and like breaking it to them, hey, I think God is calling you, or has it more often been them coming to you saying, hey, I think I'm being called to plant a church? Um, early on, it was me recognizing in them, and it's, it's, it's a two-way street. I think some people, uh, when church planting was not in vogue, <laughs> when it was not a popular thing to do, you know, I would challenge people, uh, challenge my um, uh, interns or, or staff, hey, have you considered planting a church? And oftentimes, their response, response was never. I would never plant a church. I would rather be in an existing church. And so often that uh, initial conversation became the seed for them to begin the process. Uh, but lately in the last maybe five years, uh, it's been sort of the opposite where people have come to me. And because now we have a reputation to be a church planning church, um, you know, they say, hey, would you mind if, is there an internship? Is there a residency program? All those things sort of combine together. So uh, you know, the short answer is it's a both and, uh, but I'm seeing more and more people who are called 
coming to me versus me going to them. Nice. Awesome. Well, if you're just well, if you're just joining us, we're on with Ray Chang. We're talking about how to assess your church planting call, how to know that you're not crazy, but God is calling you to plant a church. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about, you know, making sure you're spending time in prayer, assessing that call, preparation. And we just talked about assessment. Um, so, Ray, thinking about assessment, um, you know, in, in an assessment, what are maybe some characteristics that you would be looking for in a church planter? That's a great question. Uh, when I was uh, part of the uh, Evangelical Free Church, we uh, had this seven-day boot camp. And part of the boot camp was to really look at, you know, the, the question we would ask in the assessment seminar was this. Um, number one, how has God wired you? What are you passionate about? Uh, what are the areas in your life that you've seen God at work? Um, one of the things that we always say, your past success is an indicator uh, of your future success. And so we really always try to work with our uh, planters to make sure from an assessment side that they have the right uh, gifting. So we look at competencies, you know, are they, um, have them started something. If you've never started something from scratch and church planting is the first thing you're gonna start, I would say, no, you gotta start something. <laughs> because every process of starting has the same, you know, dynamic. Uh, for example, you know, every starting you have to cast a vision. Uh, every starting you have to um, be able to recruit a team. Every starting you have to be able to uh, hand off some of those things. And so uh, assessment for me is um, a non-negotiable. And I think a lot of times just the calling in itself can be clouded by our own kind of selfish interests. And that's why assessment is more of an objective a uh, way for us to kind of assess to see if this is what God's calling is for you. Mm, yeah. Selfish interest. That, that's uh, <laughs> a curious phrase. What, what are some of those uh, maybe less than pure motives um, yeah. or clouded <laughs> motives? Maybe is a better way of saying that, that you've seen in planters. You know, I always say this, that the first year seminary student is the most dangerous person because they think after first year of seminary, they know everything. You know, they have a little bit of Greek. I remember one of my interns uh, was in uh, Greek class, and he would bring his Greek New Testament, parse every little word while I was preaching, and said, Pastor Ray, this is wrong. This is wrong. <laughs> and so I sometimes a little bit of knowledge can be a dangerous thing. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think we have to be careful is um, I think our desires, our burdens, our urgency is, is important. But sometimes they could be clouded by a sense of our own sense of inadequacy. Uh, I remember uh, one of my seminary profs said that some of the most um, hurting people or some of the pe people that are most dysfunctional enter into ministry. And his response was that that's oftentimes their way of salvation. They try to go to ministry uh, by trying to deal with the issues themselves. And I think that that's one of the most important things is that we got to really have a clear understanding of who we are. Um, you know, another important, uh, I guess, what I would call a danger is, you know, kind of this idea that I'm better than somebody else. You know, we talk about, you know, the sense of narcissism or, you know, I can preach better than them. I can do better than them. And almost this kind of, you know, feeling a sense of insecurity that drives us rather than God's spirit. And so I think those are things that um, the way I've, monitor that is by having a good coach awesome 
So, hey, if you're just joining us, if you got questions, all right, we're, we're talking with Ray Chang. We're talking about how to know that you're called to plant a church. And so we'll love to take some questions hopefully later. So put your questions in the, the chat. Um, so, you know, Patrick, we get to do assessment at Pastor for Planting. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Ray says that assessment is a non-negotiable for him. I know I, I went through it twice myself, you know, was under the microscope twice and have been on several assessment teams now. And it, you know, is an incredible tool to be able to sometimes see those motives that, yeah, maybe are not from, uh, you know, the, the, the best um, place. Uh, maybe you're trying to run from something, you know, maybe you think you can do it better than somebody else. Um, uh, you know, and, and Ray mentioned one of the things that we talk about in assessment is, you know, looking at recent uh, past behaviors, because recent past behaviors per, is a good indication of, you know, future predictions of what they're going to do in the future. And so, Absolutely. you know, if you're not, yeah, if you've not started something, you know, um, it's probably an indication that you, maybe you're not as entrepreneurial as maybe you think you are. Um, yeah. and or maybe, maybe you just need some more practice. Yeah, maybe you need so, yeah. a little more practice um, to be able to yeah. start something. Um, what else? What are, so entrepreneurship, um, what are maybe a couple other characteristics? Ray and Pat, I'll, I'll let you kind of chime in. What are some other characteristics that you would look for in a church planter that maybe even, you know, might even see through an assessment? Well, I, I think the second thing is uh, being able to cast the vision. Um, you know, if you can't show somebody what, what the vision is going to, what the church is going to look like, it's really going to be hard uh, to, uh, you know, both reach the people that God has called you to reach, as well as to mobilize the team and the staff. Uh, oftentimes, early on in church planting, uh, especially for like pioneer planters, we gather people that already know us, uh, that like us, that support us. But if you want to move beyond the people that are your friends and family, then you got to be able to cast a clear vision of where you want to go. And I think that that's one of the things that I would always encourage church planners. If, if you have an ambiguous vision, if, if it's the vision is cloudy in your head, it's going to be foggy everywhere else. And so you want to make sure that it's clear. Uh, another thing that I would say to church planners is make sure that, uh, you know, what is your focus? What is your target? Uh, do you have a heart for lost people? Uh, you know, Peter Wagner said that church planting is the most uh, effective means of evangelism. And we've used that in our training over and over again. And really, it is. In, in some sense, when you start a new work of God, you know, there's a freshness that happens. There's a newness that happens. And uh, I always encourage church planters, make sure that you're not just planting a church for believers who already have church. Uh, but you're planting a church for the community uh, where especially those who don't know Jesus can come in. So that's the third thing I would say, an evangelistic heart. Um, I would say another thing is uh, just, um, you know, having a love for people. <laughs> you know, I have a friend who used to tell me, you know, I love ministry, but if, if it wasn't for people, I would love ministry even more. And oftentimes people, um, you know, if you don't love people, if you have a way of just using people and discarding them, uh, you're not going to be effective in ministry long term. And so you really have to love both your team, your staff. Uh, you have to do what Jesus tells us to do, right? Uh, to be a servant and to make sure that uh, we love those around us. And so uh, I think that's in some sense can be a missing ingredient, um, you know, for a lot of church planners. Nice. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the uh, several questions in there. You know, our questions that we asked during our assessment, you know, the one being, you know, who have you led to Christ recently? Who, who are lost friends you're hanging out with that you have a passion for, 
Um, you should kind of see them the way that God sees them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you go to bed with that holy discontent that they don't know Jesus. Um, and sometimes, you know, we'll ask church planter or future church planters, you know, yeah, who, who are the last people that you've led to Christ? And they struggle to come up with names because they've been in the church world for so long. And, um, you know, they, they know how to pastor people well, uh, but they maybe are missing that evangelistic bent. Um, and so, yeah, it's Absolutely. sometimes a little bit of a red flag thing. We need to maybe work on that. And, um, but yeah, Patrick, the thing to so, practice, practice. Yeah. It might, might need a little <laughs> more time to just practice that and kind of, you know, uh, get that skill back. Um, yeah. Patrick, what about, so, you know, we have our assessment at Patch for planting. What are maybe any other characteristics that you would say are big things that we look for when we're assessing a church planter? There's a whole list that we're looking at um, based on the research of Dr. Charles Ridley, um, which is common in in church planting circles. But um, if I could circle back on the vision thing uh, just for a second and add maybe a little nuance to that, um, Mm -hmm. it's it's one thing to be able to cast a compelling vision and describe what the the future is. It's so important. And there's an aspect of calling people into that, calling for some kind of commitment. if I could say crassly closing the deal, like, uh, do you want to be a part of this um, kind of thing and getting people to commit? And you, and you start practicing that on the front end, often with fundraising conversations, casting the vision, asking them to commit it on that level. But that, that same skill transfers into um, uh, inviting people to the team um, to some degree uh, evangelism, uh, of course, not sales, but, you know, here's the story about Jesus. What are you going to do about it today? Uh, yeah, kind exactly. of thing. So that's that's a that's a critical skill um, that we're looking for. Cool. Yeah, and I would say one you know one thing that uh, um, if you've ever been to an assessment or you're going to assessment or you're kind of looking at yourself and you'd be like, man, I don't know if I have all these gifts, these characteristics, um, but I feel like I'm called to to be involved in church planting. You know, I would encourage you don't discount yourself for being involved in church planting. Maybe, maybe your role is not to be the lead planter. Like maybe your role is to be the, the catalyst behind it. You know, I think of the story of our friend, Bob Smith um, from Michigan. He was an elder of a church in Michigan and he just saw this need for no more churches in Michigan. And so if I, the story goes <laughs> that he go, he went to exponential many years ago and had a sign around his neck saying, I'm looking for a church planter to help me plant a church in Michigan. Um, and there he met Dave Dumit and they planted 242 Community Church and it's grown and it's like one of the fastest growing churches in the United States because yeah. Bob Smith realized, okay, that's not my calling to be the lead guy, to be the person in charge. But I, God's calling me to be a catalyst for church planting in my region. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so he said, hey, I can do my part. And so, yeah, maybe... Maybe God's calling you to uh, be involved in church planting, but it's not to be the main person. And so, yeah, if that's you, don't be discouraged. Don't think I can't be involved in church planting. There, there yeah. is a role for you somewhere. Well, you know, yeah, one of maybe the things that I was. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. One of the things I was going to say is, um, you know, there are different ways to plant a church. Uh, there are different models to plant a church. Before, I used to think that the only way you could plant a church was sort of what we call the pioneer method where you jump into a community, don't know anybody. It's like the Green Beret. You know, it's like Rambo, you versus the world. Uh, but there are a lot of different ways to plant churches and a lot of different styles, models. That's why going back to the assessment is key. 
and making sure that the model fits the, the person and making sure that that is in line. Because, you know, like, for example, one of the best ways to find a church nowadays uh, is through uh, even multi-sites, uh, multi-campuses, you know, where if you are not as entrepreneurial, but you have good leadership gifts, you know, that might be a good model, you know, for you to look at. So looking at different models, you know, is important as well. Nice. Yeah, I was going to add uh, also in this discussion around calling is to not confuse the calling of every Christian to ministry. Uh, if we believe in the priesthood of all believers, that every Christian is called to ministry um, with a specific calling to maybe maybe one Christian is called to be an engineer and, you know, be Jesus in that workplace. And one is called to be, you know, a teacher or a software coder. And, and some people are called specifically to planting churches. Um, what, um, Ray, if I can go back to your initial calling, what role did emotions play in your discerning your early call? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, sometimes I think we separate our emotions from our mind and from ours, you know, but we are holistic pe people. It, it plays a big role. I mean, you look at how, um, you know, every aspect, you know, whether it's how we feel or how we think. And, and I think more and more, um, you know, having an integrated perspective is very important. Uh, don't let emotions be your only guide, but em emotion is still a guide. And, you know, making sure that you have, um, you know, passion, you know, all those things, excitement, joy, you know, doing all this. Uh, if you don't have that, then there's, there's something that's missing, right? So trying to look at it holistically, I think, is important. Nice. All right. Well, if you're, if you're just joining us, thanks for joining us for this webinar. I'm talking about the nuts and bolts of church planning, specifically about the church plant call. We've got Ray Chang with us today. Um, Ray, so you mentioned earlier about when you felt called to church planting and you I think you mentioned it to your wife. Um, mm -hmm. my, my, my question that I'm getting at is like, you know, how important is it for, you know, the spouse to kind of have the calling as well? Um, and what, yeah. what did that look like for you guys? But, you know, I, I think the wife definitely, you know, some church planners that I've met that their wife was not on board. And as a result of that, it, when hardships came, it was like, I told you so kind of a thing where, you know, they, they got discouraged in ministry. So for me early on, uh, I wanted to make sure, and this is what I told my wife. I said, you know, we need to be aligned. And if God's not calling you at this time, then let's just wait. And, and that was my prayer, actually. I said, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, I want to hear your calling from my wife. And so in some ways, it was a way for me to make sure that it wasn't just me running ahead of God, but making sure that I run in concert with God as well as with my family. And so I would say definitely. And sometimes spouses some spouses, uh, it takes, uh, you know, no, I mean, they're all aligned at the very beginning. Other times, uh, the wife may be ahead. You know, I've, I've known church planners where the wife said to the, her husband, yeah, I think it's time for us to plant a church. And the husband is the one who said no. Um, other times, um, you know, the husband is ahead and the wife needs to catch up. So, again, I think that that's important. And it's about pacing. And I think it's also a good leadership lesson because in the future, when you plant a church, not everybody's going to be aligned. And maybe that's God's way of 
equipping you and teaching you, you know, you know, are you going to have a hard time leading the church? Gotcha. Awesome. Well, uh, right now I just want to share one definition of calling that I really like when it comes to a church plant call. Uh, mm -hmm. One thing that I go back to is the way that the Summit Network out of Raleigh, the way that they define the church plant call, they describe the calling this way. It's a passionate and persistent desire to leverage the entirety of one's life to take the gospel of those who have never heard it, accompanied by appropriate spiritual gifts, recognized by mature church leadership, and characterized by an urgency that leads one to bypass other worthy endeavors so as to accomplish the goal. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate that definition because it, you know, it kind of goes back to the Nehemiah calling, you know, it's that passion and persistence, that di desire, that holy discontent, you know, you have this desire to, to reach lost people and it's not just a desire, but you know, it's, Hey, you, you've actually have proven that you've got some of that gifting of, of being an evangelist of, of making disciples. Um, you have those, those appropriate spiritual gifts. And yes, it's, you're going to have to pass up some other worthy endeavors. And it's, you know, when I work with church planters, oftentimes there's, you know, big shiny offers at other churches that come up saying, almost like God saying, are you, are you really committed to this? Are you really committed to this? Um, but Ray, um, one thing that I want to ask you is, why do you think it's so important for a church planter to be clear about their calling? Like, like why do all the work of, of assessing your calling and, and really to mm -hmm. more be clear about your calling? Well, I think calling is the thing that's going to keep you in the game. <laughs> what I mean by that is oftentimes, you know, ministry and life gets hard. And um, there are times where we just want to give up. I guarantee every church planner this, that there's going to be a point where you you're going to whether you should be doing this, whether it's, uh, you know, personal chat. Uh, I always say is this, it's the calling that sustains us. It's the calling that um, keeps us going when the going gets hard. And, and I always uh, tell church planners, make sure your calling is clear, because if it isn't, sometimes circumstances are going to make you want to give up very quickly. So that's one of the first things I, I would say, make sure your calling is clear. Secondly, you know, calling is part of um, the way God has wired us. I mean, are, are we finding joy in what we're doing? Are we fitting um, with the ministry that God has called us? And so, you know, I think, you know, having the right call uh, is a great opportunity for us to, you know, find joy in what we're doing. Awesome. So, Ray, thinking about, you know, 2020, um, I don't know if you've sent out any church planters recently, um, but this year, you know, it's, it's been challenging for a lot of churches, certainly challenging for a lot of church plants. Um, I would imagine there might be a church planter that is watching us today or maybe going to listen to this later who might be tempted to uh, kind of quit. Um, what would you say to a church planter that is kind of maybe questioning their calling or just questioning and, and wondering if, if it's time to quit? What would you what would you say to them? You know, what I would say is, um, number one, I think uh, the, the, the wanting to quit is, is, is actually a normal process. I think, you know, I think about Elijah, you know, in first Kings 18, after having that great battle and, and then, then in the next chapter in 19, he gets so discouraged. Uh, sometimes our battles, uh, in church planting are going to be, there's going to be some amazing highs and there's going to be some amazing lows. And so in those moments of, 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 uh, you know, I had a seminary professor that told me, 
that when uh, you want to give up, just sleep on it. <laughs> you know, t take a breather, get away, um, you know, seek some wise counsel. Uh, and this is why I think it's important uh, that when ministry really is, is challenging at times, that we make sure that we have the right people around us. And having, you know, we talk about coaching. Uh, we talk about, you know, friends, making sure that you seek. Uh, that's why we talk about wife, you know, having a, a spouse that understands what's, what's going on. Uh, there have been many times where I felt like giving up. And it was my wife who said, you know what? No, you, we can't give up. <laughs> this is way too early. And so having the right people around you is, is so important. And the last thing, going back to, you know, uh, you know prayer, is oftentimes I think discouragement, despair, you know, all those things, uh, you know, make us get on our knees again, you know, uh, not depending on ourselves and our gifting, but really depending upon, you know, uh, what God is doing and just reflecting on that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, if you've if ever felt like quitting in ministry, church planting, you're not alone. <laughs> Par for the course, unfortunately, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, having, having good support systems and reminding yourself of your calling, um, you know, is necessary. Being able to look back on some kind of assessment process and say, yeah, that happened. That, that can't be taken away from me. A, a, a council of wise, you know, people, whoever's on that assessment team, it's usually a plurality of people that are looking at and praying with you through that calling. Um, that, that's something that can't be, that can't be stolen. Amen. Yeah. And having, and having people that you can go to and say, Hey, I'm, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm going through. Um, and they can offer you wise counsel and encouragement just kind of to hopefully just refresh you and yeah, offer you that wise counsel. Um, thanks for sharing Ray. So I, we've got a question from the audience. Um, so Ray, you mentioned, um, basic training, you know, you mentioned, okay, you got the assessment then you go to training. Um, can you talk about basic training? What's basic training for you guys look like? And in the training, do you guys talk about like different models for planting um, in that training? Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that it's exciting about training, when I was going through training early on, you know, like I said, I have a bunch of cassette tapes and it was, that was, that was my training. Now we have uh, a lot of different um, training methods. You know, I mean, Exponential is a great uh, forum uh, for some, uh, you know, great training. Uh, we also have, you know, organizations like you guys, uh, Passion for Planting, that really um, walks people through a process. And I think for us, you know, we have intensives. You know, there are uh, denominations that do three-day training. Uh, we have a five-day boot camp that we used to do at a seminary, uh, at Talbot, Trinity, uh, Dallas. Uh, all those things can be good, but what I'm realizing is it has to be a combination. It has to be a combination of both uh, on-the-job experience as well as, you know, academic knowledge. And so, you know, the way uh, we approached it early on was a lot of what we call data dump. You know, we would give people, you know, uh, tons of material on, you know, uh, vision, uh, evangelism, discipleship methods, uh, you know, things like, you know, how to write a mission statement, how to write a value statement. And all those things are great. Uh, but what I'm finding more and more to be effective is more of a prolonged approach. And so in our church, uh, you know, we have a residency program where, and here's the way I've designed the residency program. I use it sort of like the Karate Kid. You know, we talk about Mr. Miyagi where, you know, you teach them certain skills that will be transferable 
to their church planting. So, for example, uh, one of my residents, I say, you have to start a new ministry that hasn't been started at the church. Because I want to see if they have the ability to start something. Secondly, to cast vision, to recruit a team, and then to pass it on. And so um, I always encourage people in terms of training that it's a both end. Now, don't neglect the intensives because in some ways they give you the definition and the information you need. And if that's all you have, that's better than nothing. But I think effective church planters, uh, you know, development of any individual, sometimes it takes time. And residency programs for me is probably one of the best ways to do that. So whether that's, you know, like a six-month residency, whether that's a one-year residency. Uh, by the way, Sean, I wrote my whole doctoral thesis on church planting residencies. So if anybody wants that, um, I can send it to you for free. Uh, I'll just give you my doc. And on the back, there's a, a whole appendix on how to develop a residency uh, for church planters. Okay. Need more of those. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think in the training process, the learning how to drive is instructive as, as you're describing that i was remembering back to, to 10th grade and i went to i still in school at that point uh, did a driver's ed class but it wasn't just the class and then they threw me behind the 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 wheel of my driver's test right there was also driver's training where you had to practice mm -hmm. and practice and practice and log so many hours um, before going to get your driver's license so there was there was information and there was like practice um kind of like what you're describing there's there's the long and as well as the intensives. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The on the job training. I know, yeah, with us, with our distance residence program, that's kind of the, the best scenario for our residents is they come and, you know, once a week we do training where we're kind of defining different terms and they're thinking about strategies that they're, they're going to do. But during the week, you know, they're at a local church, typically, hopefully at a, a church plant, you know, and be able to see it and be involved in it and hopefully start a few things and lead things. Um, to be able to flex some of those muscles and learn kind of how to do it themselves. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess to the question of our, of our audience, you know, do, do the sections, you know, cover different models? I know for us, you know, we, we basically say, Hey, here are different models and here are, here's templates that we want you to kind of fill out depending on your model. And you've got to contextualize it um, to the model that you feel God's calling you to, to plant and be a part of. Um, yeah. You know, ours, ours Shameless is, plug real quick. Two weeks, our episode's going to be on contextualization. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's great. So come back for yeah. that. Come back for that. Um, all right. Next question uh, we got from the audience is, what impact does the age of a planter have in church planting? Like, how many church planters are we seeing that are over 40 years old versus planters that are in their 20s and 30s? Any, any <laughs> thoughts about that, Ray? You know what? I, I think this is a great question because oftentimes, you know, we have this model of a church planner being sort of this hip, uh, young, you know, uh, leader uh, trying to reach the next generation. And yes, that's true. But I think we need all kinds of churches for all kinds of people. You know, that's a classic line that, you know, uh, we've heard before. But I think, you know, older church planners are, are just as critical as younger church planners. And, and here's the thing, in, in the entrepreneurial world, I work with a lot of venture capitalists and, you know, we always assume that uh, it's the young people that start new things. But actually, in reality, uh, there's a whole list of people that are in their 50s and 60s that are entrepreneurs. And, and, and again, I don't think age is a factor. I, I do think that age is important uh, in, in the sense that, you know, who are you trying to reach? You know, um, 
And, and how, how do you connect? Now, you could be a 50-year-old and have a great connection with 18-year-olds. I've seen that happen. Uh, I've seen 18-year-olds that have um, you know, a lousy connection with other 18-year-olds. So really, uh, the issue is not just age, but it's really who, you know, how has God wired you? Uh, you know, who, who has God placed in your heart to reach? Um, you know, and making sure that all those things uh, are aligned. And, you know, I, I also, one of the other things that I, I think is important, Sean, lately, is more than just one planter planting solo, doing it in teams. And so if you're older season, teaming up maybe with somebody who's a younger uh, leader, and that would allow you sort of like a Paul and Barnabas, you know, model. And I think that that's, that's going to be very critical uh, for success as well. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've heard, you know, some church planters that are older, or at least they're considering going into church planting, and they've asked me, they're like, can I do this? Like, yeah, am I too old? Um, and I get, you know, some some church planters are like, you just need so much energy. They're like, I don't know if I have the energy to do it. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, but maybe you have the wisdom to be able to realize, okay, here are my limitations. And so I need to build this team around me um, and I can be a, a great leader. And with that, all hopefully years of experience, um, and wisdom, you know, they'll be able to do it effectively. Um, and so, yeah, I try to encourage, you know, especially older planters is, is realize, Hey, you know, you have a, uh, you've gone to the school of life. Like a lot of us younger people haven't. Um, so don't discount that. Um, so thinking about teams and, um, you know, as you said, what would you, so sometimes I've seen church planting teams, you know, dynamics, not always working out. Well, when, but when you describe a team, like a church planting team, what do you mean? Is there like still like a lead person, like someone's in charge or is it like multiple people are in charge? What do you, what do you think when you're thinking I would say planting that, with a team? I think the general model or, or the most standard model is you have a lead pastor, maybe you have an associate, you have an assistant. Um, I, again, this is where I think, um, you know, one of the things that I, I, I talk to a lot of young leaders about is what does a post-COVID-19 church plant look like, you know, in terms of how we used to do it versus how, how, how we need to do it. Uh, you know, more of a flat leadership structure, having different people with different gifts. Um, I, I think the most important characteristic, I would say, um, rather than roles and titles, is making sure that the gifting of the team is complementary. In other words, um, I remember when I was... Um, in seminary, one of my professors used to always say, uh, build your church around your strengths or your gifts, but staff your weaknesses. In other words, to look for people that can complement you in your uh, ministry. And um, so I, I think that's one of the most important things is uh, making sure whether it's, you know, we talk about age, we talk about, you know, kind of reach, we talk about styles, we talk about gifting. Uh, but, you know, generally, I would say majority of the church plans probably has at least one vision person, uh, one lead catalyst. And, and I think, you know, um, and that's important to have somebody who can cast vision, because if you don't, then everybody's going to be competing. So, um, again, you know, there's a, multiple factors, but I think having a good team with complementary skills and gifts are critical. Nice. Question from the audience is about how uh, the APEST model out of uh, Ephesians chapter 4, the prophets, yeah. uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, how does that intersect with your team's idea? Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, I, I think Alan Hirsch, that's a great a way for us to think about the different giftings. Um, you know, Ephesians, uh, you know, 411, that God has given us different gifts. Uh, and our job is to equip 
people for the work of ministry. And so that's one of the things I, I, I always say is making sure that, and, and that's a good, you know, what I would say a good paradigm. You know, does somebody have an apostolic gift? Does somebody have a pastoring gift? Does somebody have a teaching gift, evangelistic gift? Uh, and all those things again. Um, and this is where I think a lot of ministry models have shifted. We went from uh, sort of a, a like a tennis model where you have one solo pastor doing everything to more like a, a you know, a basketball team or a football team where you have complementary players working together. And I think churches that uh, can do that or church plants that can build teams are going to be more effective in the long term than one person uh, just doing it solo. All right. Here's, here's another question from the audience. Let me paraphrase a little, but um, considering um, cultures and subcultures, how do you, how do you plant a church and not uh, impose your own culture on the community that you're planting in? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, this could apply in a lot of different ways. I mean, culturally, uh, one of my vision was to plant a multicultural church and, and, you know, to have a church that would represent all people. Uh, and, and I think that the dynamic, especially in the uh, churches moving forward, uh, we have to be cognizant of, of the cultural dynamics. And uh, now I, I would also say this, that there's nothing wrong with our culture or imposing our culture or maybe imposing maybe a harsher word, but, you know, uh, displaying our culture. I, I think we need to celebrate all cultures. And, uh, but to be uh, cognizant and aware of the culture of the people around you. The biggest disconnect I think is that's happening is that the church culture and the, and the culture of the world are so separate and far apart that oftentimes we assume that the people in our culture understand what we're saying. And, and I think, you know, language is an important factor. How do you communicate in such a way uh, the gospel, you know, the message of Jesus in a way that somebody who's never grown up in church uh, can understand that. And, and I think, um, you know, if, if there's a paradigm, I would say we need to be missionaries. We need to think like missionaries. We need to adapt ourselves as if you were in uh, some other country. Because if you don't, uh, you're just going to be basically preaching to the choir, right? You're only going to be preaching to the people that understand what you're saying. And, and I think a lot of, um, you know, church planters, if you don't understand missiology, uh, you're going to have a hard time uh, reaching your community. Yeah, back to uh, the research from Dr. Charles Ridley that a lot of church planting assessments are based on. One of those factors is cultural agility. So that's, Absolutely. yeah, that's an important thing to be watching for. All right. As we wrap up, um, can you share uh, just a little bit about the ambassador network? So I know you, mm -hmm. you planted ambassador church, but, and, uh, and I think now you're kind of taking on more of a role to give more time to the ambassador network. Can you share yes. us a little bit about what that is and what you're doing with it? Well, one of the things that I, I really uh, love more than anything is to uh, empower and encourage younger leaders. And so uh, we started this network uh, a few years ago, kind of on the side as we're planting uh, churches. Uh, so Ambassador Network really is designed to help equip, encourage, um, and resource uh, church planters, especially in the multi-ethnic context, multicultural context. And so, you know, I work with uh, Mark DeMoss. You know, Ed Stetzer, those guys who are good friends of mine. And so part of what we would like to do is if there's anybody that would like to connect with me individually, uh, would love to give you any encouragement, resources, redirection, whatever you need. And um, so th that's kind of what our network does. 
How did they get a hold of your network and uh, maybe even you individually to follow up? Absolutely. Um, uh, my email, uh, you, you, um, Sean, you could give everybody my email. Uh, I, uh, I don't have access to typing right now, but yeah. uh, it's, it's just it's simple. You know, uh, Pastor Ray Chang at gmail.com or you could put ray.chang at ambassadornet.org. Uh, you can email me um, or call me and, uh, in, in, you know, just uh, you could give that out. Um, but I would love to connect with you. Uh, ambassadornet.org, www.ambassadornet.org is another way. Um, and, you know, recently I, uh, at the end of last year, I stepped aside from the church ministry to focus more on the network side. So that's what I'm going to be doing full time. Awesome. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Thank we'll be sure to put that in the show notes for you uh, in the audience or those of you that are watching this after the fact on replay. Yeah. 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 So Brooks is going to put Ray's contact information in the chat so you can reach out to Ray um, if you want to learn more about the Ambassador Network and connecting with them. Um, but man, Ray, it's been wonderful. I appreciate you so much what you're doing and taking the time to, to join us today. Thank you, Sean and Patrick. Sorry that this is not the ideal situation. I, I was hoping to be in my office, but thank you for allowing the flexibility of being in my car. So, Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Now, uh, everyone, as we wrap up, um, we do want to bring your attention to exponential roundtables. You know, one of the great things about exponential is just being able to connect with other leaders um, like we were able to do today. Um, sometimes it's, you know, God, I think, blesses us. You know, we get to refresh one another as we spend time with one another, encourage one another. I know via Zoom, it's not as, you know, not as uh, probably encouraging as it is when we're in person together. And so Exponential um, is hosting roundtables this fall. Um, and so if you want to be a part of one of you, I know we're looking for uh, churches to host them um, in various cities across the country. And so if you're interested in hosting uh, a roundtable come this fall, you can visit the website at multiplication.org slash host. And uh, Brooks and the team would love to connect with you to talk about that. All right. So we'll be back on in a, in a couple of weeks to talk about contextualization. Uh, you know, what do you do in order to learn about your community so that you can contextualize the gospel and have a ministry that really fits that community, not just plant a church that's in your head. All right. <laughs> so we will be back on then, and we will hopefully be a part of uh, seeing you guys then. All right. Take care. God bless.